Welcome to episode 14 of Winging It. What is the next level? That's the question we'll be asking today as the infamous, now infamous quote that keeps getting thrown back in Steve Parrish's face is bounded around once again. This week, a little change to the lineup. I have the beautiful Albert Curley in front of me. Is that the change that I'm beautiful this week? <laughs> Something along those lines. Got a glow up. But then um, we've got Heskiff doing an Albert. He's out. He's out in Budapest. No. <laughs> On holiday, so he's he's missing this he'd week. Be, he'd be di- if he was doing an Albert, he'd be dialing in and actually still doing the show. Mm, fair point. Thank you. Fair yeah, point. Exactly. Thank you. I think he's in Gabal Karai's bar or something like that. He's been sending me pictures of road signs that say Karali on them. So I thought you were going to say he's in Gabal Karali's tracksuit bottoms. <laughs> Good name for a bar, that. Uh, but as a replacement, I mean, uh, Rival Pod, an- another Crystal Palace podcast, had Roy Hodgson on this week. So we went all I guns out. Like podcast, I thought he doesn't like podcast people, Roy. Well, yeah, there we there we go. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit, but we went out all guns and got the biggest the biggest pool we could find. The biggest Crystal Palace pool there is. We got Carl Davies on. Hello, Carl. Hi, guys. So I, I like that. I'm associated with Roy Hodgson. I'm assuming that's an age thing. By the way, <laughs> shy and be careful what you wish for. <laughs> exactly right. Oh, so we've that obviously the other had- chairman. <laughs> exactly. So. We had a week off for international break, uh, and before that, it was Everton, where we were all um, <laughs> predicting nil-nil or one-nil either way. Tight, nervy affair didn't quite turn like out that like that, did it, Albert? <laughs> uh, did it not? <laughs> Went a bit bonkers. What was it? Fifty seconds, forty-eight seconds, or something. Everton scored the opener in. Uh, yeah, they turned it on. Uh, they they scored. Sorry, they scored far quicker than I could turn it on. So, um, and I think there was such a, I think there was such a delay on the TV channel that I was watching that I think by the time I, by the time I got it on and saw their goal, I think we'd already equalised in real time. So I didn't, I didn't know what the fuck was going on. To be honest. <laughs> yeah, no one really did, to be honest. Yeah, because the HF weren't even there either. We was like, what is going on here? <laughs> uh, and obviously, since then, Everton have been deducted ten points. Now, Carl Etzit with them somehow winning that game and us somehow managing to lose it. It's a massive swing in relation to that 10 points now. We are, I've got to say, I mean, I think if it comes back to the end of the season that we're the bastards that keep them up. <laughs> honestly, absolutely honestly, yeah. I, uh, yeah, it, only a seven, seven move for them. It was interesting. You know, I do my little analysis of where I think teams are going to go finish. I was sat there after that game, modelled it in, and Everton actually jump above us. It's I've literally spent all week how in my model that I've built do I show a ten point deduction? It just doesn't. Show, I just have to take off ten points. But yeah, they uh, we now at least predicted to finish above them. But yeah, <laughs> but they still predicted to survive. Yeah, comfortably. So at the moment, mm. the bottom th- or the three that got promoted. This is for obviously Leicester. I'm going to, I'm going to be all Heskiff. Before we lose to Leicester, uh, Leicester, fucking Leicester. Before we lose to Luton, the, the <laughs> bottom three are predicted to be Sheffield United, Burnley, Luton. None, none, mm. none of them get as far as thirty points. Everton are forecasted thirty-five, even with mm. the deduction. 
Yeah, fair enough. So even even Heskiff's not pessimistic enough to predict that we're going to lose to Leicester this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> right. Anyway, look, I'm, I'm going to need to drink a beer before I go any further. To be honest, um, got the the Goodness Brewing Company. Never heard of this lot. And it's called not? a Love Supreme. And in in. in in a turn up for the box, because they've seemed to be missing from a lot of beers recently, Albert. It's got a blurb. Oh, joy. <laughs> this is our love letter to juicy, hoppy goodness, bringing the heady aroma of guava and pineapple delivered in a straw-coloured, hazy IPA with low bitterness and a pillowy head. We've packed a love supreme with a massive dry hop charge of Amarillo Syro. And Idaho 7, Syro, twice. Good beer, good people, good times. Cool. You had Idaho 7 last week, or the week before in yours. Yeah, I did. And believe it or not, I haven't got that this week. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's so well. you, You drunk it and loved it. I could tell in your face that you were enjoying it. Yeah, well, it's hard to hide. What have you gone for, Carl? Uh, I've gone for a Big Smoke Brewery Company, so it's not mm. one I often have. And I've got to say, Big Smoke doesn't associate them. Uh, isn't they're not named after being inside London? They're they're based in Isha, which is actually think about it outside the Ulyss zone. So you can drive your highly polluted car around there. <laughs> so that's probably where it gets its name from. And I'm on a med, I'm on a medicine man, and it's a six percent IPA. So yeah, I'm really happy with that. I went to college in Asia. Asia College. Um, Asia College. I had a friend who you might call as a med- describe as a medicine man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've heard that. Just down by Thames Ditton Station. <laughs> you got it. He sells it in tablet format. I thought you was going to tell me <laughs> <laughs> the big smoke was um, Tasty Jerk had started their own brewing company. <laughs> now we're talking. <laughs> now there's a blurb I'd, I'd love to read. Have Tasty Jerk got anything to... Uh, at a women's game the other day, I went to the Southampton game. Good entertainment for um, the attendance they got in. But still, my anytime I go to Sellers to watch the youth team or the women's team, they lose. Got a terrible record outside. I might say the first team lose most of the time. <laughs> so, <laughs> but um, but they're in the fan zone, they're selling Tasty Jerk... Not, not Tasty Jerk, they're selling Jerk Just Chicken you- Burgers. They're selling jerk chicken burgers in like silver f- wrapped foot foil. Like, oh, have we struck up a deal with them? I mean, unlikely. Ups- no, upstairs in Homesdale. We've had we've had those still- seasons. Yeah. What? Yeah, you get yeah, they've got three burgers. Uh, there's a like a buffalo, a something else chicken burger, and a jerk burger. Tell you what. No wonder I didn't fucking get on that fab board or whatever it's called. <laughs> I'm so out of touch. <laughs> Oh, it was it was all right though. I had one. It was all right. Yeah, it weren't yeah, bad. Decent, decent. Oh, tra- traitor. I mean, it wasn't tasty jerk, but I can eat tasty jerk any day. So, all right, show off. <laughs> oh, I live near the ground. Have I ne- have I never mentioned that before? No. <laughs> yeah. So, VAR veered its ugly head. Again, veered, reared, VAR veered, VAR reared its ugly head again in the Palace Everton game. Albert is. We can always say we can all clearly say Eze didn't dive, but do you think it was a penalty? 
well, look, in the in the post VAR existence that we live in, um, yeah, on another day it might be a penalty, but is it a clear and obvious error? I'll tell you what it isn't. It isn't a dive and it shouldn't be a yellow card. I can tell you that. But that's what makes it a clear sure. and obvious error from the referee, surely. Because if he said he's booking him for diving, then there's no contact, right? Because that's the rules. You got There can't be any contact to book him for diving unless that's changed. Can't, I'm not it can't, that. can't overturn yellow cards, can it, VAR? No, but it's a clear and obvious error because yeah, the referee can, is saying... VAR. Yeah, you can on yeah. the VAR. You think Wilf got booked to ask him for diving... And yeah. VAR, no, gave the penalty and ruled out the yellow card. Yeah, but if they're not going to give the penalty, can they overturn the yellow? But that's not what I'm talking oh, about. What I'm saying yeah, is, yeah. is the referee has said by booking him, there's no contact. There's clear contact. We're probably yeah. two bits of contact. Probably gets his foot, both feet taken out by the standing foot and uh, by the challenge, and then the guy behind him clipping him as well. So as soon as there's contact, surely you should be going to the screen to have a look to say, look, You've booked him for diving and saying there's no contact, but there's clear contact here, so you should be having a look. Although saying that, the best view of it all was from a fan's mobile phone, to be honest. <laughs> it was the, that was the view that showed the clear contacts, and maybe they couldn't, um, couldn't pick it up on the VAR or whatever. But yeah, you could tell Eze like, was amazed. He was adamant. Yeah, he absolutely was. Um, yeah, shame really, but anyway, he could have missed it. Keeper, keeper could have saved it. He saved one in midweek, didn't he, against North Macedonia. So, uh, Carl, did, did you go? Yeah, I did. I was jet lagged beyond belief. I was still on the Homesdale Road when Abbott was trying to turn his telly on. I uh, I was <laughs> half in the aisle when the penalty gay, uh, was given, and the people who I was just walking across in front of was incredibly superstitious. Said you've got to stay there. So I actually missed us putting the penalty in because I was literally laying on the floor, crouching down. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I went and God, you know, there's, that was a, a, a game we should never have lost, but somehow always felt we were going to lose as, as mm. the game unfolded. And and my, my bit of that, I, I sort of, on the penalty, the SA one, I, I, I don't care if it is or it isn't. I'm that now fucked off with VAR. Actually, the bit that really, really frustrated me, I mean, really frustrated me, Edward's goal, and we're hanging around for a minute and a half. You're up mm. celebrating, get in, two all. Now we can go have them. Obviously, proof wrong. And we're sat there waiting around. <laughs> I mean, it's honestly just killing, killing the moment. I don't care if they get the decisions wrong or right. I just want a bit whereby they make a decision. You glance over, the lino started to turn back, running back with his flag down, and we can all just go mad and celebrate. The best thing mm. about football is emotion. And... Fair play to them because they've managed to find a way of trying to strip emotion out of the game. Yeah, it was a, it was a strange one because I, I can only guess they were looking at something else that wasn't offside, but it did say offside on the screen. I haven't offside, gone back and yeah. looked it back at it, but he run from about five yards behind the player. Yeah. So where were they drawing the lines? I don't, what were they trying to look at? No, yeah, it was, it, it was <laughs> very very strange. Um, but yeah, no, it was at this point. There's just as many mistakes still as there ever was when they didn't have the technology. So I think it's getting to a stage where most people just like bin it off. Like unless it's for you've sent the wrong person off, keep the goal line one, and you know try and try and find a common ground with the offsides. Where if you need to start getting lines out, 
it's not offside. <laughs> I don't understand why we don't have the 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 Champions League version for the off, so particularly for the offside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, why don't why, I don't understand why we, it's best. It's best meant to be, be well. Apparently, by all accounts, best league in the world. You know, we attract the best players. Apparently, we attract the best referees. Got all the money thrown at it. What, you know, why aren't we adopting the best version of the technology that's out there? Why 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 do we not have that offside technology? I don't get it. Well, and again, you look at historic. Histor- the the analysis shows pre, uh, sorry, pre VAR, there was a ninety two percent accuracy in ref decisions in the Premier League. We've now got a ninety six percent accuracy with VAR. Brilliant. That's worth four percent, isn't it? Okay, I mm. can't get a six o'clock train home now because of what time the games get on us. But yeah, like, I mean, it, it's a it's, it's here to stay. I guess you're right, Albert. Let, let's at least get a version of it, which is better than we currently got, and let's get the semi-automated uh, offsides in and stuff. But yeah, poor, I think it's poor. I think it's too early to throw the baby out with a bathwater. Um, if my brother's listening to this, he'll be raging because I'm 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 almost an overly stubborn advocate for it, and I fully accept that it's not perfect. But you know, you think for every for every annoying decision, for every you know, yeah, we have to wait a minute to get the goal confirmed. You know, it does it does pick up plenty of things that that do lead up lead into lead it would have led to led to goals that shouldn't stand ultimately. You know, for every for every sort of you know, that's a bit of a dodgy decision. You know, there are decisions that it gets right. There are handballs that it it, it picks up that to the naked eye you wouldn't get and you, and you know you can argue the nuances of well should that be a handball um but you know it does it does get it does pick up things that otherwise would mean we'd, we'd be on the wrong end of wrong end of bad decisions you know and that goes for every club uh, what are your thoughts on um arson wenger's offside carl awesome what's that what's that oh you know Oh, so Arsene Wenger's been pushing for a rule now for a while where your the entire striker's body has to be beyond oh, the defender yes, for sorry, its ring time. Yes. Sorry, I thought you meant something. Yeah, look, I, again, I, I actually really liked the direction when it when it was, if in doubt, it goes in favour of the striker. I'm I'm absolutely aligned with any of that. I mean, it, again, I mean, if what you really want overall, let's go back to it, what do they want as a product? They want to go sell around the world so we can get the dollars in, so we can, you know, spend it on the centre forward. Dot 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 dot. They want goals. They want entertainment, and they want goals. So if 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 that is the bit that makes it easy to draw the line that says the striker has to be clear, I'd rather have that than where we are at the moment, trying to measure is his, is his toenail offside. But I'm, I'm a real I'm, I'm simple for me, which in itself says if you have to measure it. Allow it to be on. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean? Just allow it to be on. We went through a significant period of our football history with a it being on a lino's eye. Then we went through, if it's in doubt, give the benefit of the doubt to the centre forward. I'm happy if on anything that sits around there that gives it... Yeah. If you have to measure, I'd, yeah, I, I think you should just leave it for the linos. And it's for those ones. What it should be for is like your James MacArthur at the Etihad. When they've missed yeah. the fullback who's five yards beyond him, playing yeah. him on side, that is the kind of thing. That's the clear and obvious error kind of vibe that you want with offsides. Yeah. If you're getting lines that think um, uh, Zaha getting 
offside at Southampton for Max Meyer's goal got they got disallowed yeah, 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 and it's yeah. like his kneecap or whatever. It's just like nobody thinks that's offside. Southampton fans don't think that's offside. Like that's not what it should be for. It should be for the ones that are like, no, nah, mate, you've missed a defender that's over the other side of the pitch five yards further back. For all of that, though, T, and I'm picking my whole argument, I was in the ground for the Leeds at home behind closed doors when Bamford had his rule out for pointing. And and I've got to say, it was as funny as anything, especially when the Italian element of the Leeds directors were absolutely combusting when they saw it. They, they're all looking over at Steve's screen going, what the hell? It was worth it for that, actually. No. It was. That was one of the very few bright sparks of um, <laughs> of COVID to be honest, in that whole period. But um, there we go. Anyway, look, I don't want to don't want to dwell on thinking about Everton anymore because it feels three points are wasted. But there you go. Uh, we've had an international break, and in that time, my boy Joachim Anderson has been nominated for Danish Player of the Year. He's definitely the winging it player of the year. Season is not even remotely over, but there you go. <laughs> no one else had a say. No one else, no had, one a else say. had a say. <laughs> exactly. He, you know, he's he's so good that he made me almost buy one of those watches after modelling it. So. <laughs> I actually know, shout out to my friend Grant, who bought a watch for himself. Oh, bought no. one for himself, only to then find out that his missus has bought him one as a present as well. So he's got two. <laughs> Was one of them at least a different strap? <laughs> I don't know. But hey, Grant, look, if you want to give me one, mate, as a as a gift, feel free. Um, or if he wants to give me <laughs> give me one, don't bother. Terence can have it. <laughs> yep. So don't know much about Denmark, but I just assume Anderson's going to win it. Can we pre, pre, oh, I don't know. I don't know if it's a fan yeah. vote or not. Probably not. How do they do England player of the year? Fan? Did you... Yeah, yes, we have a vote. You have yeah, a vote, right? Yeah. Um, so, Gay obviously started both games for England in the international break. Did you get to either of the games? Yeah, I did. I did Malta, but in my international semi-retirement, plus I've been to North Macedonia twice. I didn't do so. I didn't do the latter. I thought it was. Really, I thought it's hard to say how good he was in the Malta game, but he was the, the passing looked great and all of that. So big tick there. I actually thought he was a really bang average game against North Macedonia. He, the the Lewis at left back playing the Man City way of dropping into midfield and, and you know, at certain times, he's like our most creative attacking player, left a load of space for Mark. And, he, and yeah, I thought he was his passing was off a bit and his tackling was a little bit. Mm. Yeah, I did. I saw someone, I saw a tweet maybe or something, someone saying Palace are never getting 60 million for him based on that performance, which I think is quite typical. In a, in a dead, you're judging someone in a dead rubber game where he's being left exposed a bit, and yeah, it, yeah. yeah it's so stupid. Nah, exactly uh, did, right. uh, woke up to a message on Monday morning from a fan, um, a, a mate who was out at the England game. My boy Luke Fizier has just got his Jordan Ayew song bouncing across all England fans tonight out in uh, Macedonia. So. There we go. Slight to behold. Yeah. <laughs> Jordan Ayew song. Yeah, so Luke is um, the guy who made up the song, who's recorded it, the Jordan Ayew yeah. 
Cruyff turns. Big Ben, when Big Ben put him through and all that. So mm-hmm. he he was out there singing it and got all the England fans singing it, apparently. About Jordan Ayew? About Jordan Ayew. He, wow. trans, he transcends nations. Oh, you know he, I mean? he like transcends he... football. <laughs> the guy named God. <laughs> We've got half and half scarves with it on, obviously. <laughs> Brilliant, yeah. And while we're on centre-backs, happy birthday to Peter Ramage on the day we're recording, 22nd of November. It's Peter Ramage's birthday, turning the big 4-0, which means he's younger than me, so, somehow. <laughs> Veteran, centre, retired centre-back. <laughs> Older than me. Mm. I'm not even going there. I reckon I might be <laughs> half. <laughs> oh, this is jam-packed here. We're already like 20 minutes into this, and I've got a whole host of things to talk about here. We've had the ban on loaning players between joint-owned teams has been thwarted. Um, 14 clubs would have had to vote no, but only 13 voted no to allowing um, allowing loans. We wasn't one of the clubs that screwed it over. That was, you'll be shocked to hear Newcastle are okay with it. Uh, Sheffield United, Manchester City, Chelsea, Everton, Wolves and Forest. So points deduction FCs, is that what it is? <laughs> it looks like it pretty much, yeah. Well, these so, people voted against the ban? Yeah, they voted against the ban. They want it to happen. They right. want to allow it to happen. So I guess because a couple of them, are, a couple of those teams have not necessarily have the owners yet, but they might have the owners in the near future, right? Isn't that how it's sort of going? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. But That's shout out to, uh, <clears throat> uh, and I'm just going to say a shout out to Steve Parrish because this is something that could benefit us hugely because with Leon, Botafogo, Molenbeek, John Texas are going to continue to expand that portfolio of teams. So it is something that can directly impact us and could could help us. You know, is it, Leon are a, you know, dwindling towards the bottom of the league, but if they're safe in January, it doesn't look like they're going to do anything. We could just shit Leon best player over. Do you know what? (laughs) Shout out to Jake O'Brien, who did score the winner for them in a 1 0 win the other week. Um, Quite quite the rise in football for him. But no, I thought you were saying we could have sent them Mateta. (laughs) (laughs) You're down the bottom. How's your luck? (laughs) Can we take our vote back? Can we? What would happen is Mateta would probably... Well, it doesn't matter because it hasn't been banned anyway, so it can happen. So it it failed by one vote. So, um, which is... Wait wait till you see Newcastle loan half of their squad that aren't playing to Sheffield United in January and we can probably work out where the influence came. What's that going to do to your fucking model, mate? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's it's very well because this has all basically come out round about um, Ruben Neves, right? Saying that he could end up effectively being Sandro Tonali's replacement at Newcastle by coming in on loan, which would just be astonishing, really. But it doesn't look like that's going to happen now. But yeah. It, it, Steve Parrish was on what, what, uh, what? What's the Gary Lineker podcast called? This is the rest is football. The rest is football. Thank you. Albert did some prep this week. He actually listened to the podcast. Very proud of you. 
but Steve Harris <laughs> uh, said on it, like talked about some of the complications. You should go and get, give the podcast a listen. It's, it bounces around a bit and stuff, get some really, really good stuff out of Steve Parrish. You get, you know, Alan Shearer swearing a bit on it, which... It's very jarring when they swear because you've just yeah. been so used to, you know, Lin- it was Lineker, Micah Richards and, mm. and Shearer. You just get you so used to them being in that match of the day studio format yeah. when when Shearer drops an F-bomb. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's quite jarring. It was it was funny because you've got Shearer who's just dropping F-bombs everywhere and then Gary Lineker who sounds like he's either ill, can't be arsed, just had enough of this life. I don't know what one it is, but he sounded a bit pissed off. But, you know, I, I thought it was quite good, so definitely worth the listen. But he was talking about, you know, there's a, loads of obvious complications that all this joint ownership sort of brings up and this is just one of the many things that's going to go on teams playing each other in europe is going to end up happening left right and center um some certain leagues are already trying to ban transfers between these teams anyway so it doesn't matter what the premier league think about it (laughs) other leagues are going to ban it anyway so sort of all over the shop you're going across federations as well aren't you i mean then that's a part of it you know Financial fair play in one federation isn't the same as the others and rules and all of that. Mm. I still think the interesting one we're going to get to is when you unpick some of the models of the the equity companies that own football clubs, let's call them Chelsea and Clear Lake, where's that investment? When we find out that's three quarters of it is exactly out of the PIF fund as well. And and and, and you're going to, they're really going to have to do some analysis of all of this and get a set of principles in play. Because at the moment, the change in football on the ownership model and therefore what it means for investment and how you can squad up and how you can get around, or get around uh, profit and sustainability, how you can uh, massage it is happening faster than they've got the rules in play. Hmm. Yep. Well, you just see it, you see it in all walks of life as well, all sorts of business and things like that. Everything's moving faster than companies can keep up with at this moment in time, and you've got people who are going to be astute and wise, and you know, jump through loopholes as long as they're there. And you know. one hundred and fifteen times Manchester City. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I asked the, a question in a in a few WhatsApp groups in the, in the summer, which says, "What stops Neymar going to Newcastle in January?" And the general the weather the best reply I got back was because ultimately it's Newcastle. Why would they why why would he want to go there? And he was like, all right, fair enough. Yes, it turned out, yes, snapping your ACL was the answer. But you, <laughs> well, can, literally, you can literally see, you know, the the model being you take some of these players, they play out there, if they can't if they get knocked out of the 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 international tournament and there's no Club World Cup or the moment the Club World Cup's over. Boom! In they go to the other sister club that's in the in the Premier League on a loan mm. with all of the wages picked up back at home. <laughs> well, this reminds me of the uh, Anton Griezmann and Kylian Mbappe on a plane to a France game, and Griezmann's playing football manager, and he, he leans over to Mbappe. I've just signed you for Newcastle. <laughs> He's like <laughs> Mbappe's like who? <laughs> And they go, and again, what's the, he's like? What's the weather like there? So like, oh, it's really cold. He's like, I'm not signing for Newcastle. He's like, it's too late. I've already signed you. <laughs> yeah, excellent stuff. Um, <clears throat> so, what else we got? Home South. I oh, wish have touched on this around the Everton game. Really, Home South fanatics fighting with the council. 
Uh, now, before we got any sort of statement from the HF to hear what it was all about and so on, your immediate thought can't help go to whatever it is. It shouldn't, whatever's the problem is, shouldn't be above supporting the team. You should be out there. It, you, your absence was notable. Um, it was much quieter. It was absolutely was much quieter, especially for the type of game it was. And that's probably just because, you know, atmospheres weren't overly dreadful at Palace before the HF. The, you know, they had moments and so on, but it's just sort of like, we don't know how to go without their direction at Sellers these days. You know, we're so used to just following along there now. But um, so it felt like that initially. But I think a lot of our opinions have changed a bit based around what the, the statement said, which I'll just breeze through it quite quickly, which is <clears throat> Saturday's banner towards Croydon Council were as a result of continued unnecessary targeting of the Palace support over the last few months. Banner stands have been ripped down, storerooms locked, and previously allowed materials suddenly banned from entering the stadium. On top of this, display banners are still banned from being hung from the upper tier, leading to a huge reduction in the number of TFOs produced. Due to these restrictions, we found ourselves unable to access drums, megaphones, and flags before kickoff, forcing the group to stop its usual support, while many walked out during the first half in order to sort it. The council is wasting time on the palace support when it should be sorting out genuine problems in the area, a declining town centre, social issues, knife crime, and two bankruptcies on their watch. We need resolution on these issues and to get back to supporting the team without the disruption and negativity caused by these ridiculous restrictions, which are completely out of context for an established group of 18 years. The Palace Sport brings positivity and pride to the club and is influential in supporting a local area, 40k raised for local causes since covid the council and sections of the club need to get some perspective and stop disrupting what Sellers Park does best and is famous for, creating a positive atmosphere loved by the players and management. We will endeavour to get these issues resolved before the next home game, but the pressure is also on the club to back us on this. We are the homestyle. So based on that statement, and you hear that, you know, their little stand has been, um, you know, platform has been ripped down, which has been there for ages and, you know, it doesn't meet health and safety standards, but actually on the marathon march walk, I was, when you end up doing your walk around, I was actually looking at it and I was just like thinking, this is actually a really good little installation here. So maybe my health and safety background isn't good enough to judge on that. But um, it does seem like there's been, you know, the goalposts have been moved around what they can and can't do and very suddenly we can't score. Well, <laughs> no, mate, if the goalposts were moved, we'd probably score more, to be honest. Mateta would be finding the bottom corner every time. <laughs> but yeah, so that, uh, were you happy with that statement and explanation, Carl? How do you feel about that? Yeah, look, fair play to them. Absolutely fair play to them. I'm going to stick my hand up. By the time I got in the ground, I looked down. Nobody where I was had actually noticed. I went, where are the flags? Where's the noise? And And, and I went... Can you believe they have chosen not to support their team? So there you go. That's me bad. Jumped to an assumption. Read the statement. Fair play to them. Because absolutely fair play to them. There is... This football club is better with the HF. The club in itself utilised the HF in their publicity for the football club. This football club is one of the biggest employers and bringer of goodwill and cash to a council that isn't fit for purpose, the question the, cl- the club and the council should be ask, uh, answering is, 
how do we get more of the HF and that atmosphere in a health and safety manner that's right, because they're not above the law, and, and, you know, you can't have risk to health and safety, but how do we get it right? Not lock the bloody cupboard and they can't come in or take the stand-down bit. The question should have been, look, guys, we're going to have to rebuild this, we're going to have to change that, we're going to have to do this, or we're going to have to do that, or you know what? You're going to have to go to safe standing in your bit for it to up. That's the stuff that needs to happen because absolutely fair play for the HF in, in, in saying what they said and the transparency, and I couldn't agree more with them. I mean, it feels absolutely bonkers that it hasn't gone to safe standing. Well, the whole lower homes, though, anyway, I'm sure money's part of the aspects there. And was it sort of a million-ish quid, isn't it? Something around yeah, that mark. I think, I, think, I think there's a couple of bits. That the, I think there's the – obviously, there's a, there's a little bit of a sour taste in them moving everybody again. And there'll be people in the lower tier who don't want safe standing and, you know, want to sit and you haven't got the ease of moving them. I think there's also a bit you do safe standing in the away end – and they have to really reduce the away end down because it will prove that if you're stood up at the back, you can't see off the bloody pitch. So it's a, whereas at the moment they can say, no, you're meant to be sitting down. So I think there's those bits. There's, I don't think it's just about, in the whole scheme of things, we've spent a lot more than a million quid on stuff to do with the infrastructure of the club recently. I don't think it's just no. about the million quid. I think in an ideal world, they want to do it when they do the main stand. I just don't think they can wait that long. Yeah, because then, yeah, because you could see why they'd want to wait for the main stand so then just all those problems sort of go away. People might not necessarily want to stand in the lower homes. They'll have that option to move to the new stand and you, people will just naturally migrate there anyway and that kind of thing. So it, it it does make sense to have more of a shuffle net around then. But it feels like we're so behind the curve with safe standing where it feels like we should be one of the teams that are at the forefront of it, which is a bit sad. But, I mean... The, Help, it makes Croydon Council go away as well because it is it is unsafe at times in the lower homesdale. Just in most any stand that's still got seats, any away end that's still got seats, it's unsafe. You think Villa Park, the upper tier at Villa Park is just it, it's a death trap. They're like just you, the back several rows or whatever it is, where it's just you're you're sat on a seat with a concrete slab and the back of the next seat is level with a concrete slab that your feet is on so there's no back of the seat in front of you so um, when Dwight Gow scored back in 2014 2013 whenever it was it's just like you you're all of a sudden like finding yourself trying to stop yourself running down seven rows of just giant steps with you know people in the way <laughs> it's just bonkers so it just feels like safe standing needs to you know be in the right areas in the right stadiums already but yeah i'm with you i'm albert's not albert's like i like my two little seats on the aisle in the white horse quite content thanks very much (laughs) i sat in the white horse for the south the women's game against southampton um so it's tight back there isn't it in the in the, in the concourse area, uh, is it oh yeah, absolutely. No wonder you feel at home because it reminds me a lot of Vicarage Road, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it was, um, yeah, it was, it was really tight. But yeah, it's like a weird, I don't know. So uh, that's the first time I've sat in the White Horse since Lombardo against Wimbledon, ninety seven ninety eight season. Wow, that long, really. Yeah, I've like I've been in the White Horse a few times, but in the boxes. So I think like oh, three yeah. times I've been in the boxes, but that's the first time I've actually sat in the White Horse since Lombardo scored against Wimbledon. 
It's a state of mind. <laughs> if you go back like uh, early nineties, White was Terrish used to be the one, didn't it? It was like good laugh there, wasn't it, Carl? Is that eighties? Big White Wall. Big White Wall. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm... That was an away end beyond belief that was sat in there, but yeah. Mm. Well, there you go. I just thought, um, I just think of that too, that Ian, Ian Wright scoring from like the halfway line and just seeing the limbs behind there is is what I think about that when I see yeah, it. Uh, so, yeah, when, when we, and again, it, I, I, I had a season in the Whitehorse when they were doing, so I used to stand down on the Arthur and when they did the Arthur, uh, sorry, the Arthur, yeah, in the Arthur used to stand there and when they all seated that moved for a season uh to the uh, uh to the white horse and it was it was all right it was all right on their little little terrace but yeah back back mm. in the day big old bloody terrace with a big white wall down the center of it it's the nearest stand to the tasty jerk you say more <laughs> that's why he sits there he can smell the aromas is what it is can see the queue from my seat. <laughs> it reaches your seat, there. doesn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's why he's there, so he can be in the queue already just 15 minutes into the second half. I, mm. I, I could probably have this totally wrong now, but you're going to correct me. See, I, I don't think, again, I might have been in the boxes, I, uh, but I haven't been in the the Whitehall stand for a Palace game for, I can't remember, it could be the same time period. But I've got in my memory... Going in there and banging my head in the toilets. Is it like the, the absolutely the about four foot or something? Yeah. So the the long side of the urinal, yeah, like opposite of the sinks, is too low for me. It's too low for a lot of people. It's not just me. So what you have to do is you have to wait a little bit longer and go go on the the sidewall, what sink. I call the gable end. Oh, okay. yeah, because there's there's a bit more headroom there, so I have to go there. You're absolutely correct. Feels like. We're crying out for like a quick fit sponsorship or something here. A game of a game of two. It should be it should be it should be sponsored by yeah some bathroom bathroom fitters in it that should be called Let's Not Take the Piss Here. That's what it should be called. <laughs> Let's not take the piss here. You might bang your head. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Let's not take the piss here. Take it over here, please, in the urinal. Thank you. Very good. Right, let's, let's get started on what we're here to talk about. We're going to take this club to the next level, is what Steve Parrish famously said. Was it the end of Vieira's first season he said that? I think it yes. was on the pitch, on the yeah, pitch on the at pitch. the end of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, obviously, this quote's been thrown back a lot recently in Steve Parrish's face in various social media outlets, and I think we're in this we're probably going to be fairly one-sided in our views on here, given our age and, you know, we know what shit looks like and we know that it's not shit now. <laughs> but, um, you know, there's a lot of, as Paris said on the Gary Lineker podcast, there's a lot of people who started supporting Palace when they were 10 in 2013 and only know us as a Premier League club. Now it's like my missus. I met my missus in September 2013. She was 10. <laughs> no she was not 10 <laughs> and um so she's obviously only knows palace as a premier league club and i pretty much say to her periodically 
when she's getting pissed off about me going to games, I'm like, just wait until we get relegated to the championship. It's 46 games then, and they're all up north. <laughs> so, and it still hasn't happened. And I'm maybe, sure that helped. Maybe it wouldn't anywhere. <laughs> it yeah, obviously didn't. But, um, you know, so you've you've got that whole fan base and and i see it like living here we go again living by the ground klaxon but i see kids walking around in palace shirts on in droves now which you never used to see you know it used to be liverpool manchester united arsenal shirts whatever and you're getting more and more now i've been visiting schools recently because my daughter is going <laughs> looking to school for i'm looking for sc- <laughs> <laughs> so you know do, doing that and you know seeing kids in palace the palace gear around the schools and stuff like that so the 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 fan base is you know is growing and at a, a younger a younger level which is great but that's obviously you know people are going to want to see things move on and they've you know so basically we'll have a little discussion now what is what is the next level so you know we've been in the premier league 10 years now we haven't finished below 15th we haven't finished above 10th now for us with who are used to promotions you know most promotions to the premier league through the playoffs still we haven't promoted in 10 years and we've still got two more promotions through the playoffs than any other team you know all at four different stadiums as well which was um the interesting fact we was talking about this week new wembley old wembley sellers park and millennium stadium around four playoff promotions so we're used to the up and downs we're used to you know we're used to things happening and you know there's nothing better than Tuesday nights at Sellers in the championship when you're pushing for a playoff place. Like those nights were, you know, that's what I remember as being a kid going to, you know, my formative years at Palace. Those are the things that I loved. But those things are sort of missing now for those kids, you know, it's, you know, do we have a cup run? Often not. <laughs> those kind of things. So you can, so you can see, you know, trying to paint this picture of you can see why it is this like wide ranging of views at the moment. And none of this says more than in the, the athletic had a, a bit of a survey recently. And it was, how would you rate your current satisfaction as a palace supporter of which 10% have said very satisfied. 13% have said very unsatisfied, 42% satisfied and 33% unsatisfied. So it's basically across the board, quite level in terms of we're all equally pissed off as we are sort of satisfied. So, I oh know, Carl. What, what do you think? What do you think the next level is in terms of where we are now to where we could be in three years, possibly? Okay, I, uh, I'll give the give the answer, but if then I'll give a little bit of science behind it, if you like. I think there's a what I think answer to the question. Fantastic would be an average position. Fantastic, probably wrong phrase. A real good stretch of what the next level be. An average finishing position of 10th over the next three seasons. Being entertained. Players we can be proud of. Football that we can be proud of. A bloody good cup run. And the hope that if you've got an average league position of 10th, you might have a season whereby you're touching 7th, touching 8th, and you've you've got the European Tour. And, and you know, we... The model at the moment, you can see what we've been doing for the last since the moment twenty ten took over, and and you know the gradual build to be a Premier League club because what they bought wasn't even really a Championship club; it won't fit for purpose for the Championship. And then to get into the Premier League, it was all about staying up, staying up, staying up. And I remember Steve saying, "Look, 
we still else would be full every week if we're a Premier League club. We get relegated, we'd be back, you know, be 16, 17, 18,000 type thing. So they've kept the stadium full by staying up and they gradually built something. You can see all of it, you can see the build, but there's a fact, you know, there's a Harvard Business School study. It's fact based data that says over, you know, this is over 50 years, where you spend over any sustained period is where you finish. There's only, through the 50 years, there's only two exceptions, only, only two clubs that buck that trend. You can draw the line from what you spend to where you finish. You get the odd season where Leicester are up there, but you average that out over four or five seasons and they're on where they spend. You know, they were the 10th best, you know, biggest spenders. That's where they finished. Two clubs, Liverpool for all of their success through the 70s and the 80s, but they weren't big spenders. They're the winners. Well done them. And it's a Harvard Business School study because it's all about leadership and it's all about the back room, all about what, I forget what they call it, the Paisley thing and all of that bit, the boot room, sorry. It's all about that. And the other ones who technical language are spunked a shitload of money and over that period finished below their league position, Spurs. Everybody else is on their line. You look at where we are, that's where we're finishing. We're finishing 14th, 15th. We've got 25,000 coming through the gate. We've got a decent shirt sponsor, money coming. You look at our revenues that sit around there and, you know, that's where we come. So it's a, you know, this is you know, to finish 10th but be entertained with a really good cut run would be, you know, success. But finding a way of how you can build the stadium up, get the revenue up and all of everything else that allows you to be a team that is maybe the 10th best income, and then if you're doing really, really well, allows you with the academy and stuff like that to be a seventh or an eighth. That, that's it for me. Here's the hard hard stuff. If anybody thought now we're going to be challenging for stuff season in, season out, or, you know, ask Everton fans two years ago, they absolutely bloody loved it. They stayed up the last day of the season. They had a party around the town. And, you know, we, we're, as stands at the moment, a million miles away from being deep involved in a relegation battle and even further away from being involved in trying to qualify for Europe. Mm. Yeah, it definitely feels like everything's intrinsically linked to the main stand and increasing that revenue. And, you know, we've, you know, capped out everything that we can pretty much do. And now we need that main stand to move it on. We need the academy players to come through. And I think we're giving them all the best chances. You're seeing the results off the pitch with the academies. I'm absolutely praying this season for an FA Cup run from the youth team. Like we've, 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 we just haven't had one. And I think like, you know, the, you know, all those kind of things there where, you know, you got, it's all happening. It's all, it all seems to be moving in the right direction, but it's just, you know, you can't help but think, yeah, Brighton and Brentford, you well, see them it. doing a rate of knots. But it's, it's Brighton's the one, Terence, because that's the one. That's the one where for everything you say in this bottle, you're going, yeah, but that lot down the road have got broadly the same revenue streams as us, broadly the same capacity, broadly generate the same cash. But fucking hell, they're doing well and they've got their little European tour and they were at an FA Cup semi final and. You know, they're darlings of the media and all of that. Now, I'm, I'm probably like every other Palace fan. I can't wait for their bubble to burst. And I'm hoping it bloody does burst, burst. But frigging heck, at the present moment in time, they are they are breaking it. And they, here comes the question. You know, comes the bit comes back to it was, 
you know, we, we, we touched upon Roy, you know, and it's a, is, 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 is the football exciting? Is the bit, is, if we got the right manager, would that be just enough? You know, Bright, Brighton are the ones, not Brentford so much, Brighton are the ones at the moment who are bucking the trend completely. Hmm. But then it's sort of, you know, it comes out of the reason why Brighton and Brentford are doing well is the same reason on both sides in terms yeah. of who their owners are and their the data that they have through their betting companies and so on and you know, which enables their scouting departments in ways. And of course, you know, you leverage your edge and that's what their edge yeah. is. And um they've done it so well. But yeah, I don't know. I just so it's like my outrageous prediction at the beginning of the season was Palace finish above Brighton. We're not a million miles off. We fucking should have won against Everton the other week. We'd only be a point behind them. So I know I can see it. I can see the bubble bursting. I can see it. It's, it's their strategy is a hard one to maintain. Like there's some elements of luck involved as well in terms of you know you get three transfer windows in a row wrong. Could could end up going, but who knows? Maybe that's just been me being optimistic about Brighton's downfall. My, my biggest hope at the present moment time there's an in there is a big upgrade in Deserby versus what they have with Potter, and Na- Napoli have got a job vacancy come the summer. That's all I'm hoping. That's all I'm hoping. Yeah. Uh, AC Milan will as well, I reckon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <clears throat> you you go back. You go. You go. You go back to it, T. They are one of the bits, and I think if you if you surveyed Palace fans, if the Athletic surveyed surveyed Palace fans at the back end of last season, four or five games into the return of Roy, and you've got Elise and Eze, and you've got you know there's no Wilf in the team, you've got Elise, you know broadly the same squad as we currently got, but the best players on the pitch, and you've got some exciting football, and you you know you you and, and we're beating teams. The mood is far better than suddenly, you know, you're looking at the moment, you're turning up and, you know, we came out celebrating a nil-nil against Forest because of the, you know, how we achieved the draw with those sort of injuries. But none of us are sat there going, well, that was, edge, you know, got me off the edge of a seat, <laughs> not those lines, is it? And that that's a part of all of this. At the moment, there's very little jeopardy because... You know, it's bloody difficult to get relegated this season. Now, I don't. I support Palace long enough to know we could find a way, but there's very <laughs> little. There's very little jeopardy. The first bit of jeopardy is going to come is in the third round of the FA Cup. Before that, mm-hmm. we we'll probably find out we've got a draw. We've got bloody Newcastle away. Do you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'll leave it out. Anyway, so Albert, what's your, if you're voting in this athletic survey? What what are you putting as your option? As very satisfied, satisfied, unsatisfied, or very unsatisfied? I think I'm, I'd, I'd probably say, you know, taking a step back and, you know, international break, There's the emotions are, are level at the moment because there's not been a game to get you upset or overhyped either way. I'd, I'd probably, hand on heart, I'd probably say I'm very satisfied. You know, it goes back to the sort of the parish comment about, like, and again, you refer to there's, there's people out there that only known us as a Premier League club and, they're the ones clamouring for the we should be pushing for Europe and and yeah of course Europe is often seen as the next level and and as again we're sitting here talking about Brighton Brighton have have done it West Ham have you know albeit they've they've made their stadium move 
or their stadium upgrade a while ago and cost them significantly less money than it's going to cost us to do even a fraction of ours. And yeah, you know, you're seeing them in, you're seeing them in Europe. And um, so that's the obvious answer to, to have a European, European tour, you know, who wouldn't, who wouldn't want to witness that as a palace fan. Um, But yeah, in terms of general satisfaction, yes, we can nitpick and we can, Oh, Roy's on it. Roy's on one this week. And, isn't it a bit glum here? And what's what's he saying that for? But you know, ultimately, ultimately, like the club is on a on a fairly solid level, um, and for a club that's had two administrations in in my short time on this earth, my very short time on this earth, <laughs> um, why are you laughing? Um, you know, you have to, you do have to, you do have to sort of appreciate that and and check yourself a bit. You know, it's 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 not all bad, is it? And yeah. most of it's quite good. Look, I don't know how many, I don't know what our average age group listeners is. I have no idea. Um, for anyone who only known as the Premier League team, who might be listening. I hope you never have to experience the days of Stockport or Sheffield Wednesday or administrations. And, you know, Steve Koppel throwing his jacket into the stands at Tranmere because somehow... <laughs> Somehow we've survived, or so not even survived. Somehow we finished sixteenth in the championship, but when it looked like we were, you know, about to be not a club, you know, hopefully you'll never have to experience those things as character building as they are. But you know, when it's people of our age group and older, you know, thirty plus, thirty five plus, we've seen all these things. We've we've teetered on the edge of the cliff and looked at the abyss and don't want it. You know, and it, I laugh. I'm laughing as I'm saying this because teetering on and looking at the abyss of League One, where you know you've got teams like Berry and stuff like that who have truly teetered on the abyss. You know, there's, we haven't even been down that low. But you know, looking, you know, we should be proud of being a top, being in the top two divisions for 45 years plus. And um, we got very close to not being there, not not being a club, and you know, maybe we were in the stands talking about you know, having to go down the AFC Wimbledon route and doing things like that. You know, these were genuine discussions we were having as fans. And that's why we laugh. And you'll never you'll never understand it, but that is why we're laughing that, you know, people can say they're very unsatisfied with things at the moment when we're in the best league in the world, you know, for 10 years straight. <laughs> we do all right. You know, we've got players like Elise and Eze and so on to watch. You know, <clears throat> we're going to do a special podcast at some point where we're going to look at the Centenary Eleven and then build a, build an eleven since then to play them and see who would win. Being down, we're still manager of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you, you know what I mean in terms of you know the quality of player that you know we get through the doors these days and watch. You know it's it's a completely different world so you know i just that's that's why you're here is laughing at it and arguing the corners just like this this is the good times believe it or not <laughs> but hey there is there, there is something though i mean fair play to absolutely anybody any fan because we're fans right we this isn't our money in the club and etc 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 we're fans fair play to any fan that demands i want more and i want more and i want more mm-hmm. absolutely I wouldn't necessarily, though, go around sticking stickers up going, 
get the get these out, get these people out. There's no ambition. There's no this. There's no that. Don't I, I, you know? That's another bit. No ambition. Have you seen the Lise sign? Eze sign? We haven't sold any bloody players. You know, we keep our players. That's a whole different thing, you know. So there is about a fair play to any Palace fan who's a little unsatisfied because they want more. Fair play to any Palace fan who's challenging. I want the next level quicker because that lot down the road seemed to have found it. But yeah, don't don't burn down the house. Yeah. Oh, don't get me wrong. I, I would love you, the odd European tour here and there, of course. But, you know, <laughs> I'm retiring. Exactly. Me. That's me done. That's me done. <laughs> That's me done. I'm out. Right. Okay. Let's get you some. We've had some questions in for you, Carl. So we're going to get some quick fire ones out. Um, Franca, can we see him ending up going out on loan in January? It's come from a few it. people that yeah, someone specifically it's... called out Leon as well. <laughs> Yeah, look, I'm a bit, well, I don't know, maybe. There's, there's, there's definitely, that's definitely a rumour that is out there. I think there's even a newspaper willing to run that as a story. Uh, if Roy is the manager, I'm not sure it wouldn't be the best idea in the world because I'm not sure how much playing time he's going to get and, and the boy's going to need playing time. I suppose there comes the question, though, is, is Roy going to be the manager come the end of the season? But, mm. yeah, I don't know of anything. But, yeah, I mean, what what would be a travesty is if he ends up getting three, four minutes every couple of weeks for the rest of the season because we're going to get to the end of the year and the and the poor kid is no more embedded into Premier League mm-hmm. football and he's clearly got a load of talent. Yeah. Okay. Uh, upper tier Steve has asked Dean Henderson why? Uh, I think two reasons. I think first and foremost, why people keep walking around going, it's 20 million that we've wasted. It weren't 20 million. It was 15 million. Uh, why? First bit, because there was a real risk they thought they'd lose Sam Johnston. Secondly, they think he's an incredibly good goalkeeper at the right age. And the, what I think one of the bits as fans that gets misunderstood is we have a pot of money, and if we spend it on player A, means we can't spend it on player B. I think I've been even on here and said it before. Trust me, if Palace think they can buy a £40 million player for £20 million, they will do it. What they won't do is spend £20 million on a player they think is worth £15 million. So Henderson hasn't stopped us doing absolutely anything else. They look at it and go, we think he is a top, top keeper that we will make money on or he will be a massive part of Palace. But there's also a bit of it. Like, there was a real risk that they'd lose Sam Johnson. I think Sam Johnson's openly said he wasn't overly happy. <laughs> you know, and it's... So, you know, we, we've listened to, I've heard loads of Palace fans go, why can't we be like bloody Brighton and buying the replacement, bringing the replacement long before, you know, they've sold the player? Well, that was a part of the thinking here. We've got two really, really good goalkeepers. Hmm. Okay. Um, you can answer this as well if you want, Albert. One realistic player in January for who would it be? Do you want to go first? <laughs> well, Ivan Tony, no. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. can we can we like to one. Can we somehow? <laughs> I wouldn't bet on it. <laughs> can we you somehow really resurrect like a twenty-three-year-old Chris Armstrong? Can we do yeah, that? That's what we need. God bloody look! I think I think if you start off a position for me, it's centre forward. It's out and out centre forward because firstly, if Hodgson's manager, there's a chance he'll play him because I don't think he's sold on either centre forward. Secondly, you saw against Everton the out and out difference. 
you know, once once Elise was on the pitch, suddenly we could create chances. Our problem was we just couldn't convert and the movement wasn't right and all of that. Uh, I don't know. I take it's now unrealistic. I'd go for. I'd, I'd like. I'd take Eddie and Ketia tomorrow. I think you know. You look at the age profile, London, and all of that, and you know. I'm assuming though, he's 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 well and truly in Arsenal's thoughts, even if it's a backup centre forward. For me, I think we've got to be looking at if we could. This is a realistic target, which is: is there a team that's disappearing out the Champions League that? potentially needs the money that you've got a chance to bring in one of those type of players like I'm not suggesting it is this type of player. I only know him but you know he's a bit he's good enough but you know you've got Triori who's sent the forward for Shakhtar Donetsk. If they don't win the next game, they're out of the Champions League. He's 21, 22, whatever he's a centre forward, he's uh, he's averaging a goal every other game or so. Can you get one of those type of players? But mm. the bit I'll say it, I don't know if Steve will kill me for saying it. I I I I don't you know, asked in the moment we didn't sign the lad from. I'm not going to try and pronounce his name because I can't remember if the K comes first or the T comes first from PSG. And and you know, they there was a bit that sat around all of this, which he went, "We absolutely, for the money we have to go pay, be absolutely certain they are better than they've got." Because if we're going in and spending twenty twenty five million, we can't write that money off. We have to live with the consequences of it. So this isn't, are they better than Edward or are they better than Mateta? Are they bloody good enough to be a Premier League centre forward? And yeah, I, and that, yeah, I don't, so I can't give you a name because I suppose if I could, you'd sack Freeman because he should be already doing it, shouldn't he? But yeah. <laughs> what you got, Albert? Well, I bought you loads of time. Team, Timo Werner, Albert, we've been linked with him. Yeah, we've been linked with him. And then about maybe less than a day later, I saw that he's also linked with Real Madrid. So, he's, you know, he's got <laughs> options. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I saw, I, I was in various WhatsApp groups with people saying they wouldn't, wouldn't touch him with a barge pole. Just like, the guy has caused one in two in his career. Like, what are you, t- what are you talking about? Hey, he can actually, he, he can actually run fast. Do you know what that means as a number nine? <laughs> but no, <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay uh what else we got what other questions Ooh. any truth to the fourth kit rumors yes <laughs> i won't show you gonna skate around that one i've got a question what's the fourth kit rumor that there's gonna, gonna be one kit. <laughs> four yeah. yeah cup kit right Assuming we get drawn at home, I think uh, not away at all the shot. <laughs> yeah. well, what colours are Horsham playing? Probably we're fine. <laughs> oh, goodness. Have you, um, you might have missed this, Albert. Barnsley have been turfed out of the FA Cup after oh, fielding man. an ineligible, ineligible player against Horsham. So they beat Horsham 3-0, but now Horsham are in the next round instead because Barnsley have been turfed. We're all Horsham, aren't oh, we? Oh, dear. Yeah, I mean, it's humongous for Horsham. It's just like ridiculous. Especially the, so if they draw a Premier League club, like the swing well, is got, just... Yeah, they've got Sutton, I think, in the next round. Yeah. So if they get past Sutton, oh, Horsham mm. Palace, oh, make, make get oh. tickets for Luton look easy. <laughs> Sorry, we're bringing out a, a kit to wear in the cup. Is that what we're saying? Oh, 
day. We're bringing out a big, kit. There's a bigger story that sits around it. I think we have this club does announcements for stuff like that really, really well. I don't want to. I don't want to spoil Chris yeah. Greeson's fun. I, I, it can't know, just be for the question. Is there a rumor? Is the rumor of a fourth kit true? The I think that that rumor is definitely true. Okay. We can't bring out a kit that we're only going to wear once. Bloody <laughs> cat! You seen <laughs> the yellow and black striped one? We even did a reissue of it. <laughs> yeah, we ridiculous. can. Yeah. Uh, Exile Sellers does Eze have a realistic chance of making the Euro squad given his long injury layoff and Southgate picking some old faces? I don't think either of those things are relevant to it. It's a twenty-three man squad, so you do two for every position because there's three keepers go. I think he's going to be lucky to make it, but he's definitely in contention. You know Southgate likes him. The first moment he could bring him into the squad, he brought him into the squad. And his injury came really at the wrong time. In If he could have, there's four games, there were, there were, we've just had two games, there's two games left. I, you know, barring injury, I reckon he will be in the next squad. His big problem will be, you know, he's he's... He's he's going to be up against some formidable names, you know. If he plays in the ten position, this was I heard Andros Townsend interviewed the other day. So he is up against Jude Bellingham. He looks quite good, doesn't he? <laughs> Foden, Madison, Gallagher, missed one. There's another one. I I he's got some big competition, hasn't he? So mm. it's a yeah. I don't think I don't think he does make it as it happens, but he's given himself a. I don't think the injury the injury hasn't the latest injury hasn't overly helped just because if he'd come back one week earlier, he would have made this squad and he would have definitely been playing, and it gives you a far greater chance than not playing in these games. Mm. Well, he needs to he needs to recreate the form in the back end of the last season as well, really, doesn't yeah. he? Getting getting the goals and, and so on. Um, and on the subject of Southgate, is it written in the stars that he replaces Hodgson? And then sort of further on from that, we've had a further question. Are fans putting two and two together and coming up with five, seeing the ex-Wolves boss at Sellers Park in recent weeks? So, so bit, basically a wider question around who's our next manager going to be. Yeah, I think they know who they want their next manager to be, which is good. Me personally... I'd get on and do it. <laughs> I mean, go back to it. It's a free, it's a free bloody hit this season, isn't it? With looking how the bottom three are, get through the next two, three games. I, me personally, I'd just get on with it. But you know, that's that's easy for me to say, isn't it? Because it's not my money or my club and all of that. Uh, I don't think it's Southgate. I think it looks a lovely story, but England won't know. Sorry, Palace won't know if Southgate is truly available until after the World Cup. Now, if England go deep into that tournament, that's mid-July. We've already started our pre-season. Surely we can't be waiting around for them. I don't see a scenario where Southgate has said two months beforehand, i.e. May, I'm stepping out of here and my next job's going to be Crystal Palace. I just don't see that. So I actually don't think the timing's quite add up. If, if, if it was Hodgson for two years and Southgate's then taking a year break and then he's coming in, then I get it. I really don't fancy, me personally don't fancy Roy for two years. Two and two equals Lopetegu, Lopetegui. Yeah, I reckon. I don't, I, I think people can have every right to put two and two because it's, he's been at Celeste, he's been at away games. Definitely 100 cents of dialogue. Um, mm. He's just turned down a big job in Saudi with a shed load of money and openly said he wants a Premier League job. 
Well, there you go. There's your answer. Okay, let's 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 start to wrap this up. We've got obviously Luton coming up next week or this Saturday coming. Going to be a new ground for quite a few people. Going to be um, a lot of the old heads there. You know, well, old heads. Um, I think we'll get we'll have another discussion about parish points and whether how this has been done is the correct way around the sign because it was. I'm, I'm astonished that some of the people have missed out. To be honest, in terms of how much Palace they do and so on. But there we are. Uh, but I'll get over it. Yeah, exactly. Obviously, Albert, big loot and hater, being where you're from. Yeah, their fans. <laughs> their fans are very optimistic. Uh, a lot of them, I've seen a lot on social media suggesting that going to be targeting their first win of the season at home against us. How do you feel about that? Paging Doctor Crystal Palace. <laughs> um, well, look, you know they. They um, had narrow narrow loss to United a couple of games ago and, you know, a good performance against Liverpool. I, if I was a Luton fan, I'd certainly be looking at, at us going there and and fancying three points because, you know, they've got, they've got to start winning home games and <clears throat> we're the sort of team that could go there and, and put it on a platter for them. Um, as much as it pains me to say, but uh, you know, totally don't want it. And we're also capable of going there and turning on a performance and having a relatively comfortable two nil, you know, it's, that's the inconsistencies that you sort of get in these mid to lower table scraps. You know, I, I, I would never have, would never have called the Everton game the way it went. You know, normally our problem is scoring. Um, and we don't, we don't concede easily Everton. We, Managed to score two, but we obviously conceded three relatively sort of poor goals. So, yeah, it could go, it could go either way, couldn't it? But I'd, I'd like to think we'll go there and put in a solid, a solid um, defensive performance. It's just you know how up for it are they going to be, um, and are we going to take any of the no doubt few chances that we create? So yeah, I, I think it's a very finely balanced fixture. Mm. Yeah, it's nice to have Elise back and in contention because he certainly made a humongous difference when he came on against Everton and just makes all your problems go away really in terms of being able to create chances. So hopefully he'll, he'll get maybe another half an hour. I imagine I maybe could even be starting now yeah, given, yeah. given the international break that's gone on by. I've got 60 uh, in my head for him T. Yeah. Okay. Good. Um, and what's your fancy this weekend, Carl? Do you think we'll do it again? We talked about on the pod yeah. a couple of weeks ago before the international breaks. The kind of it's bread and butter for Roy. Yeah. It's the ones he always gets done. Yeah, like, I think exactly that. If it wasn't for the international break, and you know, Lerma and Co. Some of some of our squad, Lerma especially, you know, playing, you know, probably don't get back till Friday, and and that being the midfield engine. I would, I would say, yeah, I really do. This is, this is what Roy does, you know. So he, he very seldom does he let us down in these type of games, and you know, we, we, you, you know what the type of performance would be, and there'd be enough quality in there to just nick it. But the, uh, yeah, I think, I, I do think we win. I do think it would be really, really bloody hard. I'm pretty darn sure the first goal, whoever gets the first goal, is going to be absolutely critical. Uh, but yeah, I think we will do it just based on. History says Roy Roy normally pulls these ones out. Jeffrey Sharp, yeah. just to just to just so Sam can. <laughs> yeah, well, um, the good news about Lerma is he only played 
a full 90 once this time around where he did two in the last international break. Um, it was the most recent game, but he only played the last eight eight minutes or something against Brazil. So um, he hasn't he isn't coming back with the full two matches in his legs, thankfully. Yeah, good, 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 good. But yeah, good. Well, everyone enjoy the game on Saturday. Who's going? Behave yourselves. Um, might be a temptation not to <laughs> in Luton, given their um, uh, reputation. But no, uh, really looking forward to it. It's, it is actually a new ground for me. Somehow, never got there um, in the nineties or throughout the two thousands. Somehow. So, yeah, new ground for me. Really looking forward to it. And um, hopefully we can come back with three points. Carl, thank you as ever for giving up your time and joining us. Um, Albert, um, we got Heskiv, we got Heskiv back next week, unfortunately. <clears throat> yeah, I might book a holiday. <laughs> well, your commitment, though, Albert, you're dialing, mate. You're dialing. That's this, true, actually. None of this. Oh, Budapest, I'm looking at, I don't know, Karai's pants yeah. or whatever. Uh, yeah, sending me messages saying, f- f- what does it say? Fuck off, picture of his Vanessa, his wife, flipping the bird, which apparently is aimed at me. I suspect it's aimed at him, but he's just forwarded it on, saying it's for me. You know, I, I've got more class than that. <laughs> he, was, he was in some sort of cathedral or something which says the date 1905 on the ceiling. And he's like, do I need to tell them that we should say 1861? <laughs> yeah. But anyway, look, thanks everyone for listening. Thanks again, guys. And um, it's West Ham next week. So we'll, um, we'll be back for that. And until then, up the palace.